Welcome everybody back to the Domcast episode 19. We are here on a Monday morning. It was once again a busy weekend, busy weekend in life, busy weekend in basketball. Boy, things once again have changed. We have like two weeks left in the season, I believe. Most teams have about seven matches left. Uh, before we get into any of that, because there's just so much to discuss on that front, be sure to rate the show if you're listening to it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Even if you're on YouTube, the like button apparently does something, so that would be nice. But do want to say as we round out the season and get to the playoffs, appreciate you for listening to, um, all or most of the season. Uh yeah, I started like a couple of weeks after the season started. Anyways, this has been fun. Definitely been fun discussing basketball pretty much every week. Only took one time off. I think that was during the All-Star weekend. Uh, that dunk contest just wasn't inspiring. Anyways, why waste any time? Let's go ahead and get into it. Today, we will be talking about... I'm going to start talking about the standings. And then it'll be basketball as usual. Oh, my goodness. <coughs> That's yeah. See, it's Monday, bro. Here we go again. Here we go again. <laughs> yeah, standings madness. Standings madness because the play-in, of course, has made things far more interesting than they used to be. That did not exist. Uh, yeah, gosh, it would be many, many teams eliminated by this point. The games that happened yesterday had a big effect on that. The standings have flipped on their heads, and they are going to keep flipping apparently with the performance of some of these teams. So. If you woke up this morning, you hadn't really paid attention to basketball, which uh, over the weekend, which you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast. If that were true, you didn't notice the Boston Celtics are now first in the East. Yeah. At one point, they were 11th. They were a very mid 500 below 500 team that had Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on it, but looked as if it needed to be retooled. They are first in the Eastern Conference now from play in team to legitimate contender. Nine and one in the last 10, six game win streak, and then back to reality. There it is. Robert Williams has a sprained left knee, apparently. My hope was that this would be a situation of they're just trying to finesse some rest because I know guys are going to be kind of in and out, which is really going to make this interesting when we start talking about some of these squad schedules as the season winds down. Um, I'm, I'm sure a lot of these teams will be if they're in position to they'll be resting certain guys so i was hoping it was rest but then Ime Udoka said oh yeah he's in some significant pain and now we have to get an mri so it doesn't seem like it's just rest as usual and i kid you not i know the dom curses a whole bit but watching the wolves yesterday i, was, I watched the wolves game pretty much until it got out of hand which was rather quickly I was watching it just thinking, man, this is way too good to be true. His team is playing beautiful defense. Everybody's on a string offensively. It's just this whole squad. So it's like it has fun. And then I think to myself, injuries always happen to, to the squad at a time where things are at their peak. And I turned away. I was watching some of the Phoenix Suns and, and Sixers. And then, of course, I get on Twitter. Robert Williams is now randomly possibly out for a stretch of time. I'm just keeping my fingers crossed at the moment because that'll destroy this whole thing. Boston is not contending without Robert Williams. They can still be good, but he is such a big piece of what they do defensively. It ain't happening without him. But for now, whatever information we have is that they are 47 and 28. They have overtaken the Miami Heat, who I'm pretty sure they played out in the stretch. Miami Heat have fallen to second and may continue to free fall because what the hell happened to that squad? We will be talking about them more in depth a little bit later, though. Um, Bucks third, Sixers fourth. By the way, one through four is separated by half a game. So nobody knows exactly how these top four teams are going to end up at this specific moment. This could 
honestly go either way the bulls are uh, a few games out of that they're the fifth spot it's starting to look kind of especially with the way their season has gone it's starting to look like they're they're gonna be i don't want to say stuck but yeah they're looking at fifth seed and below at this point but look who slid into six it happened y'all it happened the toronto raptors overtook the cleveland cavaliers I remember when Jared Allen first went out, that was absolutely my first prognosis. I said, oh, this is unfair. They're going to fall into the play-in. They're going to be stuck playing uh, possibly Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And the first phase of that is is pretty solidly happening. They're game behind Toronto. I actually did not look at who owns the tiebreaker for that. But if the Raptors own the tiebreaker there, then uh, it becomes very difficult for, for Cleveland to, to pass him again. Now, there was a game between the Charlotte Hornets and the Brooklyn Nets yesterday, in which the Nets defense faltered quite a bit. They were, and, and I, I caught basically the, the end of that game because there were so many other games going on before it. I saw Drummond making some solid defensive plays. Um, then, of course, Kyrie's first home game. So, by the way, Kyrie is back. Kyrie is back. Probably should have said that at the very beginning. He is back for good now. The, he was cleared. Uh, apparently the Yankees and whatever other teams up there had something to, to do with the mandate in the private sector. I had been saying for weeks, remember, we talked about it when he showed up courtside. I was just thinking, OK, well, now this is getting kind of awkward because it just looks like he should be able to play. And now he is. So he is. Uh, yeah, he's playing home games. He's playing away games and the Nets are in the play in. And they're probably, yeah, they're stuck in the play-in. So they're going to end up either a 7 seed or an 8 seed if they make the playoffs, which comes interesting real fast. Because when it was just maybe KD, that was one thing. Adding Kyrie to that tired, different thing. Anyways, yeah, he was having a, a hell of a fourth quarter. But then your boy Cody Morton just uh, decided that he owns Barclays. So the Hornets won that game. And what becomes interesting about that is they are tied with the Brooklyn Nets. They have a tie record. But that win also gave them the season series over the Nets, which means they own the tiebreaker. So now Brooklyn is ninth in the Eastern Conference. And if they end tied with the Hornets, I don't know. Who knows if that'll happen because the Hornets do drop some random games. But if they do end tied, Brooklyn is now stuck in that ninth or tenth spot. So they would have to play in twice and they couldn't lose a game or they would be out, which who knows in one game scenarios. This one game scenario right now, they'd be playing the Atlanta Hawks with Trey Young. Again, just it's just one game, winner take all. You'd never know what could happen. It's a lot of a lot of basketball X's and O's. Not that all of it goes out the window. It's just one game. All it takes is for some random to get hot, and then boom, every everything is flipped on its head. So that rounds out the Eastern Conference. And man, it, it, we were talking about, and I, I had seen people talking about Brooklyn trying to avoid the play in, which I, the math that could work, but I just didn't see how that was going to happen. Now it's probably most definitely not going to happen. And if you're a seven seed team, if you're a team like the Bulls, Raptors, or Cavs that is on the hot seat for that seven seed, you're kind of happy about this, at least for the time being, because your first game wouldn't have to be against uh, um, uh, the Nets. Of course, if Toronto had a home court, Kyrie wouldn't be able to play in that game. So that becomes really interesting. Um, but yeah, the East has just gotten really, it, it was already crazy. But what happened to the Heat this week was just, there's just a whole lot of what <laughs> happening with the Heat everywhere from Udonis Haslam and Jimmy Butler getting into it in the, in the huddle 
along with Eric Spolstra, but that seems to have blown over already. That nobody's talking about it. It happened. Everyone just kind of wrote heat culture on it and moved on. Although it is funny, it, it did draw a spotlight to the fact that Udonis Haslam is, in fact, still on the roster, pretty much just as, uh, I, I don't know, what, what do they call Udonis Haslam's role? He'll come in and play if he has, is it Enforcer? No, that's that's wrong, no. Anyways, <laughs> the Miami Heat lost to the Knicks, they lost to the Warriors, the Stephless Warriors, in which Jordan Poole was probably a big source of that frustration. They lost to the Nets. Now... The first the Knicks lost, that's just yeah, that's a bad loss this late in the season. It's not a playoff team. I don't know whether to mention that Julius Randle isn't playing or not, because I'm not sure that matters. But uh, the, basically, the New York let it rip with some of the young guys, and they came back in that game. So I didn't even turn it on at first because I saw the score. I was like, oh, okay, Miami's handling that. There are others, there's other games on. Then I came back, and the Knicks were leading. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Manual quickly happened. <laughs> and uh, they played solid defense, too. As a, The young unit they had out there was actually playing very solid defense on Miami. I go and review some tape of what Jimmy Butler does in that game and just what he's done in, in the losing streak overall. There's one specific play. Shout out to, to Steve Jones Jr. on Twitter. There's one specific play uh, against the Knicks where Jimmy Butler... Um, I think he used a screen to get to the free throw line and get a pretty open jumper and break it. And then the question is, hey, what does this mean in the playoffs that you're, one of the guys you need to be a top scorer is going to, from the mid-range, pretty much be a self-cover. From the mid-range and three-pointer is going to pretty much be a self-cover. That's kind of fascinating. It's kind of fascinating because there's certain guys that are like, there's certain players out there that are really big and just eat up space and put a bunch of pressure on your defense. And so the fact that they can't shoot, yeah, it's still, it still probably matters for the playoffs, to be honest. That's where things like that end up mattering. So that's actually pointless to bring up. You know, he's a great finisher, but that's now as we're getting late into the season and the playoffs are about to start, people are really kind of becoming hip to that. Butler does a lot of other things well. Does a lot of other things well. That one thing right there against really good teams just seems like it's going to matter oh yeah they lost to the Sixers by the way too uh without James Harden and Embiid so that happened so Tyrese Maxey happened Emmanuel quickly happened Jordan Poole happened and it's just been a very tough stretch that's four straight games that they've lost I think the last I don't remember if it was the last podcast or the podcast before that I practically said Miami looks like they have the Eastern Conference locked up in the first seed. Nobody should because they had a solid three, three and a half game lead. So to lose a lead like that with few games left, you basically have to go on a losing streak. I'll just go ahead and tell you straight up. I didn't see them going on a losing streak this late in the season after playing great basketball with the, those teams specifically. And who's playing? Nah, didn't see it. So that has happened. And some argue it's a good thing because the running joke is oh well if you get first or second if the nets make the playoffs first or second is going to be playing brooklyn oh yeah running joke avoid them even Ime Udoka did confirm that teams he's seen teams manipulate standings before he has says that he has seen that uh, if the opportunity presents itself so that's one thing cool but also so the miami and brooklyn game happens and it's not even competitive it's not competitive KD is getting whatever he wants. Andre Drummond is throwing up peace signs on fast breaks to dunks that he's handling the ball with. It just starts to get real questionable real quick. 
you yeah you probably don't want that team in the first round to get out of the east you're likely gonna have to play them that's one part and two in a game like that this close to the playoffs you want to be competitive you want it to be a competitive game you want to see some x's and o's that show hey we can we can give this team problems and it's it's frightening because Kyrie once again is now there for the whole series and once again as i mentioned last week drummond has been a really nice piece for them it's been a really nice piece for them um as, as a rebounder that was always his bit right was oh he gets his own rebounds but if you've been watching the nets play drummond is rebounding the ball really well for them um he's even scoring well in, in some of these outings so they've probably not going to see ben simmons this year but they did get two pieces that i think they needed you know in seth curry spreading the floor and in drummond just being a big body they they did get some things that they needed to make a run which is looking uh very possible so that game at one point in the third quarter is 90 something to 50 something and Miami can keep free falling down to maybe fourth where they would get the Chicago Bulls. So you could argue this this little heat slide is not it, it's it's well timed. You could argue that it is well timed because at this point, the way things have shaken out, you would want to play Chicago first in the first round. But also like with the problems that have presented themselves and the questions that we've had the entire year for this squad and half court offense pretty much that's really what it comes to right that's really what it comes to it's it's offense by by committee with this squad they we've been well established that they don't have a kevin durant they don't just have a a consistent trustworthy i'll just give you the ball and you go get these playoff buckets type player because we don't know if tyler hero is going to be able to fill that role and we know that Jimmy, we already know the limitations with him. So it's going to be interesting watching him trying to generate that. That's been the question all year. And so on one hand, yes, sure. Propositioning to not play Brooklyn in the first round. But on the other, you still got to deal with that. <laughs> you still have to deal with that problem. Um, and the problem with Brooklyn, they've been showing pretty much in every game. So sure, they lost to the Hornets last night. But even in that little bit that that I got, I got to see at the very end, it's Kyrie just creating bullshit buckets basically <laughs> it sounds bad because for a game as pretty as Kyrie's but that's literally what they are they're such bullshit just creating something out of nothing getting to his left hand and, and hitting 50 percent contested shots those are the kind that just rip up game plans and so yeah you probably don't want to rip up game plan team first if Boston stays first of course that means we will be seeing them however I was encouraged by the game that they played in what two or three weeks ago um Again, Boston has, uh, unlike you know, the problem that you have with Miami, if you're looking at Boston, especially the way Tatum is playing lately, how the offense is moving, and then I was allowing Jalen Brown to get his. I wouldn't say half-court scoring is really an issue for them um, unless you're able to ex exploit shooters around them, which lately nobody really has been able to. So uh, even you know Peyton Pritchard is out here getting on the action. Like You love to see it, but gosh, they absolutely need Robert Williams. I absolutely need Robert Williams. So that's basically what has happened with the Eastern Conference play-in. The Cavaliers still have yet to get Jared Allen back. I am uh, not predicting doom for them, but man, things just do not hit the same without him. Evan Mobley as a defender just does not hit the same without Jared Allen, uh, which I will definitely be talking about him again a little bit later in the podcast because that's the topic. 
However, you watch the Cavaliers, and when it's Laurie Markkinen is at the rim as a team has has gotten downhill, instead of Jared Allen, it's just it's just not the same. <laughs> it's not the same team. Um, so it's more of what I think we expected the Cavaliers to be when the season opened up, and so they are getting into that territory where they might get booted if they if they're not able to get him back. Just unfortunate if you're Cleveland. I would. At that point, maybe you're looking and saying you hate the play, and because uh, I, I wonder, I do wonder where some fans stand with it. And your team has been playing great basketball all season, and they have one unfortunate stretch of like three weeks that puts the entire season in jeopardy. Because without that, they would probably still they, they, they're a whole um, what is that two and a half games into eighth that that could be eaten up, but also still it wouldn't be as likely for them to fall out. That's tough. Anyways, the Western Conference. The Western Conference got real fun last night. Oh, gosh. Yeah, this got really fun. This got really, really fun. We'll start in the back. The Lakers played the Pelicans. Oh, boy. They did play. Brandon Ingram is back. Everyone came back for that game. Kind of needed it. And the Lakers were eight. Or sorry, they were ninth. The Pelicans were 10th. There was a uh, half a game separating them. And so this is like perfectly placed match, perfectly placed matchup. And this is where someone like me loves to play in. My team isn't really involved in it. You get to see chaos actually matter in the ninth intensity. That would not matter at all without it. That game happens. And to start, the Lakers are on them. And they've been playing, they had, up to now, they had been playing pretty good basketball. They've been playing, for the Lakers, they've been playing good basketball. So they had hopped on the Pelicans in that first half. And the thought is, oh, okay, this is happening now. Lakers are starting to maybe figure some things out. And they are dogging a team that dogged them recently. But this might be a, this might be a little bit of a different Lakers team. And they're getting optimistic about getting Anthony Davis back. And this is a team that they would have to play in the play in. Uh oh, this is starting to look like he can maybe, you know, punch his chance type thing, right? Uh, LeBron rolls his ankle. Of course, he keeps playing because that's just what LeBron does when anything happens except the groin. Uh, anything else happens, just ties his shoes and keeps playing. Uh, Harrison Fegan, big Lakers guy on Twitter, while they were up about 20 plus points, said, hey, y'all ready for a competitive third quarter for the Lakers to barely gut this one out? I promise you, I turned to the game because the other ones were getting a little bit less competitive. It, it was a four point game. The Pelicans had comeback. That did happen. Uh, they go on to end up winning. CJ hit some clutch buckets. Brandon Ingram from the mid range, of course. Uh, that's, that was one of the more fun acts to follow at the beginning of the season on this podcast so Brandon Ingram love well documented and the Pelicans end up winning I believe that Lakers lead that they had was the the biggest yeah I think it was the biggest lead they had during the season uh up to halftime they blew it I believe it was 23 points they blew it not only did they blow it they because of that loss fell behind the Pelicans at half a game so the Lakers are now in 10th Oh, and guess what? They also lost the season. They lost the season series. So they played the Pelicans again um, in a couple of days or whatever. But they've now they don't own the tiebreaker regardless. So they have to have a better record than the Pelicans to avoid being in tenth. But wait, there's more. They are one game in front of the San Antonio Spurs. Spurs also own the tiebreaker, and the Spurs play them before the season ends. But wait, there's more. 
the Lakers schedule is absolute hell coming down the stretch here. I don't think I read out the schedule aloud last podcast. So tomorrow they play the Mavericks. Then they play the Jazz. Then they play the Pelicans. Then they play the Nuggets. Then they play the Suns. Then they play what we assume will still be the Stephless Warriors. Uh, then they play the Thunder and they play the Nuggets. The only easy, the only quote easy win there would be the Thunder. Of course, uh, Josh Giddy is gone for the season. Oh gosh, don't tell me my low five is playing in the middle of me speaking. I will fight somebody. Cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, the Josh Giddy's out. Who knows what Shea Gilders would be at that point? This is where I was talking about earlier with the schedules. We don't know who's going to be playing when. So by the time you get to April seventh, April eighth, like are the Warriors going to be playing anybody at that point? Uh, they might. They maybe they're trying to hold on to the third seed again. Standing manipulation. We don't know what everything is going to look like. So. Don't know who will be playing in some of the games as it gets later, but it just. Uh, uh, by the way, I, I got something. My bad. The Lakers don't play. I just read that out loud. Uh, ignore me. The Lakers don't play the Spurs again. Spurs just own their tiebreaker. That's what happens. I could have sworn they were on the schedule. No, they don't play San Antonio again. Ignore me. That's my fault. Um, but yeah, no, they do own their tiebreaker though. And so, just at face value, tough schedule uh, between two teams you don't own the tiebreaker for. But wait, there's more. LeBron James said his ankle uh, is terrible after last night. So it was a pretty bad roll. Like, I'll give him that. It was, look at the still image. It's one of those that would put any other player out. But he said his ankle felt horrible post-game, and his availability is in question. As LA continues a crucial stretch. Yep. He did do the whole tying shoe thing. That did happen. Um, This is back to what Heat Check said, right? He check was on the pod almost a month ago. Said that he thought at some point something would happen. LeBron will eventually shut it down. If I were the Lakers at this point, I would just go ahead and shut LeBron down. I just don't see the point. I'm sorry. I don't see it. He's dealt with ankle. He's de- he's been resting a knee in the middle of these. Like they don't have time for him to rest if they really want to make the playoffs, but they've been doing it anyways. He's been resting that sore knee. Now you got an ankle on top of that. Your 10th with very slim prospects at this point of making a play-in and your reward for in the, for ending up in the play-in, your reward is playing either Memphis or the Suns. Uh, you could argue, hey, we'll get Anthony Davis back, we'll be different, we could make some noise, and we have to do everything we can because LeBron, uh, we only have probably a year of him left, so any chance we have with him, you just kind of have to let it rip. So I get that. But also, this is looking dangerously like the 2013 Lakers season it is like this is this is literally how it happened every I have it I could make the video I hadn't made a video on it yet I guess I'd probably just wait until the Lakers season is over this is the entire 2013 Lakers playbook guys go in and out the whole season they have a miserable record most of the season one guy on the team uh, puts up incredible numbers and herculean efforts to keep them competitive and uh, at the end, by the end of the season, that ends up working against them. And then it alters a career. Like if I was LeBron, now at this point, you have hurt your ankle. Uh, and you say he said it took all his explosiveness, which he did. He was settling for jumpers at the end of that game. I, I would literally just go ahead and can this season and try to fix it next year. But, you know, maybe maybe they see it the other way, though. Hey, we have a year this guy left. We're going to get Anthony Davis back as long as we have a chance we're going forward. All right. Well, all right. That might be what happens. But yes, the Lakers chance of making the play in right now 
they have a better chance of not making it at this specific point um, with these new developments. So that happened. That was actually worth talking about because that's a pretty significant standing switch. Uh, the Nuggets, since we've done the podcast, have gained a whole game and a half on the Minnesota Timberwolves. So they're still in the sixth seed. Nuggets are not in the play in yet. The Jazz have lost four straight games and fell to fifth, though. Fell to fifth. Hassan Whiteside didn't play yesterday. Gobert didn't play. So the Mavericks are able to get that win. And they are now a game ahead of them. And they can also, the Mavericks can get up to third. So that'd be interesting to see. Uh, if Luca replaces Booker on the the late MVP should be ballot because that's happening right now. That's a topic that we'll be getting to. Uh, other than that, things are kind of the same. The Warriors' life without Steph has just been tough. It's been very very tough. Draymond Green has come out and taken full responsibility for how terrible he's playing. He's having some games with only three field goal attempts, which I get. It's not his goal. To, it's not really his job to score. But this time that Steph is out. They need a little bit more from him than screens and and passing. Like it's need a little bit more. Uh, Jordan Poole is doing what he can. Clay Thompson also doing what he can throughout this rehab. But they have they lost to the Magic, lost to the Spurs, um, they lost to the Wizards last night, the Kuzma list Wizards, and it's just not great momentum going into the playoffs. As Coach Curry says, we just don't know how to win right now, which is wild say this close to the playoffs it's not it's not a great situation hoping they can get Steph back Chris Paul came back CP3 did in fact come back Suns have won 61 games which can probably because as far as standing madness I think that's pretty much it that's most of the the situations most of the situations there have been addressed you can flow right into the Phoenix Suns have done this season just been incredible they survived without Chris Paul of course, they were so far ahead of second seed, there was almost no chance that they were going to fall anyways. And now he's back. They've lost only 14 games this year. And that's what's really crazy about that. That 14 games they lost, they, they a lot of the season, they were missing Aiden. And then, of course, they were missing Chris Paul, like we said. And what would their record be if they just had been healthy the entire year, which doesn't really happen these days. But there was a point in time. I feel like in my NBA fan life where it just seemed like teams could stay healthy for a lot of the year, if not most of it, or if not all of it, like a team would just be a contending team and guys weren't constantly in and out. That that did seem like it was a thing at one point. But it doesn't matter. Whatever. Phoenix has won eight, won eight straight games. They beat Philadelphia yesterday. And what spawned from this is, hey, why isn't Devin Booker in the MVP conversation? How long have you been listening to the podcast? Uh, have you Are you a listener that's been here since day one when I started it? Do you remember at the very beginning of the season, the very, very beginning where I thought that, you know, as a matter of fact, it might, my bad, it might not have even been the podcast. I think it might have been a video I made. Uh, I, I don't know. Anyways, somewhere out there, I thought that Devin Booker was going to be the Suns MVP candidate this year. I thought it was going to happen. He's the best player on Phoenix. And... I said, if Phoenix can repeat that success and Devin Booker is having a good season, he'll probably get those MVP nods. But see, what had happened was Suns repeated their success. Chris Paul got all of that. He got every every MVP nod and uh, fake vote that I thought Booker would get. It went to CP3. It didn't happen to Booker. So that did not happen. Uh, and it just it looked great. We're not going to forget the stretch where Chris Paul was making star big men out of Bismack Biombo and, and Jalen Smith, who's no longer on the roster, 
when Aiden was out, it was like, okay, cool. Well, you, you have a, a breathing human that can that can roll, great. And that's that's basically how that was going. So Chris Paul was getting the love. I think he was up to fifth at a certain point. Knew he was never going to win it. Just the numbers simply aren't there uh, with with the other guys in the race. But nonetheless, now when Chris Paul went out, the Suns, for the most part, kept winning. Devin Booker doing his thing. So drops uh, around 50 on the Nuggets the other night. Just another mid-range masterclass. And you start, you're starting to get this from everywhere. I see John Morant talking about it see sports shows talking about it just going everywhere hey wait a minute why isn't Devin Booker in the conversation he's the best player and the best scorer on the best team why is he not in the conversation well I'll just say first of all that again I thought from the beginning of the season this is kind of where I thought it would be I thought that he would get that love and so I thought he would be on the ladders at least so it's nice to see he's on the ladders uh he's on the he's on the uh the fan ladders is he actually on the has he moved up this week into the the mvp ladder did he get that love um let's see just updated for the week obviously the mvp tracker uh they uh oh i don't think so y'all Tatum is there. Luke is there. Okay, so Devin Book is there. Okay, cool. So he's on seventh. He's he's moved to seventh. So that if you count that as being on the ladder, he he is on the ladder. But <gasps> caveats: Devin Booker's not winning MVP. It's not gonna happen. It's not happening. Uh, it, it so far has not changed the the big three of the MVP race that have been there pretty much most of the season. Uh, nobody has yet to to replace them. Jason Tatum has gotten closest. He's now fourth. Obviously, Boston has been the best team in the year 2022. Tatum uh, upped his play. That's a big part of that. So rightfully so, he's gotten his love. Luka, same thing. Mavericks came back from... Oh, they were never dead, but came back from pure mediocrity, became a really good team. Luka is doing his Jordan routine, so he's made the, the ladder. He's top five. But look, it's cool. The the Booker praise is cool. It's, it's just the praise I thought he was going to get in, in the beginning. I just think there's a way to do that without thinking that he has to win it or that he's going to win it. Uh, specifically, if you're asking like, oh, well, what is he missing to win? If he's got if his team is this successful and he's a big part of that um, family, it's just it's it's very hard to have an argument over the top three. That's literally it. That's that's literally it. It's it's uh in, in 2K when you do these awards. They have this glitch where the same guy ends up winning damn near every year the defensive player of the year because it's just there's him and then there's everybody else from whatever metric they use. I'm not, I'm not using 2K to justify it. I'm just kind of drawing that that parallel to where, all right, well, you have a Giannis that is casually putting up 30-12 with six assists and then also playing defensive player of the year defense just kind of by default. He's almost it's almost impossible to be a quote normal player or a really good player and pass him in the standings unless his team is just falling off a cliff which it, it hasn't like milwaukee's still um at the top of their respective standings now their record is much is, is significantly worse than the phoenix suns but just again talking about value talking about player to player Giannis, it's it's not gonna happen she's not gonna pass Giannis. she's not gonna it's not gonna happen man. it's not gonna happen um, the Suns were to go without Booker. Obviously, they wouldn't be contenders without Chris Paul or Booker. Um, like, legitimate, they wouldn't be able to get out of the West without Chris Paul or Booker. However, they can still put together something without one of the other during the regular season 
um, together. The Bucks could probably win some games without Giannis sometimes, but also if you were to go apply that same thing uh, without Giannis, that's a completely, completely different team. That team is not probably competitive for much longer. Anyways, I'm, I'm going using a lot of words to just say Giannis exists. Giannis exists. Uh, Jokic exists. Same thing. 26, 14, 8. Um, we've been all through what he does for that team and 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 I do want to be fair and say uh, having watched Jokic uh, pretty much this whole season I, I don't think his defense is as great these days as it was to kind of start the season seems like it's tapered off a little bit to me um, I, I see him get cooked sometimes like I wasn't seeing at the beginning of the season however it's just uh, there's not a lot of discourse on Jokic defense so it's not really what people spend their time talking about. Normally, it's just, a, oh, he doesn't play defense or he can't play defense, which sucks because that's how you can tell who doesn't really watch him at all. I saw like a, a thread where a guy was making good points this week. And then uh, I think his second or third tweet was, oh, I've never seen Jokic play defense in my life. And it's like, oh, OK, all right. So you just hadn't really hadn't really paid much attention this season. But I can be fair and say his defense doesn't seem as great as it as it was. I talked to some Nuggets fans while I was watching. I was like, is this defense falling off to you? And they're like, yeah, but he is doing everything else. So that kind of makes sense. Maybe, um, I don't know if saving it for the playoffs is where I would go, but I am going to keep an eye on it because I do wonder once you get to the playoffs, you're going to see it closer to where it was at the beginning of the year. Anyways, yes, yeah, no, you're, you're seldom passing Jokic in this MVP conversation. It's just kind of been like that. And then, of course, there's Embiid who... Or second was first in the East, so he's fighting for first in the East right now. He's had his MVP year. He's had his MVP uh, case going strong the entire year. Those three just have not been replaced, and I think it's okay to love what Tatum has done uh, and love what Luca has done uh, as the season continued, and then love what Booker has done while also acknowledging there's just probably no chance that they'll they'll end up winning it. Like even with Tatum, I wonder, okay, Boston's first now. They can't play much better than they have. He can't play much better than he has. I don't know what brings him from fourth right now to first in a couple of weeks unless Boston just wins every game and and these top three lose most of them. Um, Yeah, that, that's basically it. But I will, I'll, I'll, I'll rage with you, though. I'll be angry with you that Devin Booker hadn't gotten a mention the entire year because that's that's where i thought it was going but it's hard i guess when you play with another guy who who brings immense value it's it's just difficult especially because the people who vote on these you realize after you see some segments go around on twitter of some actual voters talking you realize hey these voters are just humans too they're not robots who know everything they have their own criteria they have their own biases they have their own correct or incorrect thoughts and that's just kind of how it goes so yeah, sure. Devin Booker should have been talked about before now. Uh, and maybe if he was, maybe if he had have been, maybe if Booker had gotten this uh, this type of attention beforehand and it wasn't like Chris Paul and his leadership, yeah, you probably would have seen him like fifth or fourth. Still don't think he'd end up winning it. Um, but yeah, the Suns right now rolling and given the health of other teams in the West, they, if they just take what they've done this season and Translated simply, just translated. They should be fine. They should be fine. The Suns team is not a super team, but they are a juggernaut. Thirty and six on the road, thirty-one and eight at home. It's it's just like that. Thirty-six and nine in the conference. It's like that. You no know else is like that. The Jaw Morantless Memphis Grizzlies. 
Comrade, listen, Memphis Grizzlies, last time I looked, I think they were 17 and 2 without him. Now it might have moved to 18 and 2. A little bit worrisome. He is missing games this late. They said he's tweaked his knee, so he'll be reevaluated in two weeks, which is, once again, two weeks now means basically playoffs. So keeping an eye on that, but hopefully it's just some rest because they can clearly play without him. And they uh, got, what, like a 30 point dub on a healthy Bucks team without him? Grizzlies team is just they're just serious that's pretty much where we've landed we've been wondering what is this team actually the entire season when jaw is first of all i don't even know if i should really get into that but just without jaw playing um how they keep surviving they just have multiple guys that do things man the ball moves uh still have many weapons on offense many places to go dylan brooks can sometimes get downhill get you a floater of course desmond bain we already know what he brings even on the defensive end as well <clears throat> giving giving people miserable miserable nights the anthony melton's gonna come off the bench he's gonna give you threes he's sneaky athletic say sneaky athletic because sometimes he'll, he'll pop out with the he'll pop out with the donkey and you're just like oh yeah he does that too john morant of course i mean sorry um jared jackson yeah jared jackson both sides of the ball especially on, on defense. I've watched him win a game with defense this season, uh, more than one. Uh, Scott, his thing going on offense too. They literally run him off a screen sometimes and he'll catch and shoot as a big, which is just uh, a fun thing to watch. Having grown up with, with what basketball was and what it's turned into, it's it's just great stuff. Memphis Grizzlies are just a, a, a all just well, well put together team. And no, they cannot win without John Moran. Let's not let's not do that. All right, let's not do that. And I don't see a lot of people doing it. Uh, I hope, hopefully, what you look at with the Grizzlies is just going and saying, "Hey, this is a a great, this is a great team. They were constructed good, and they have many weapons, and have a lot of young guys that are still developing. And the fact that they can play without their MVP candidate is just a testament to how good they are as an overall team." In the playoffs you still need your mvp candidate because things become interesting when all of a sudden you don't have to like say they would have to play part of the first round without jaw now it's oh okay cool we don't have to worry about him attacking us off the dribble and creating all types of gaps in the defense or putting in a rotation oh, all right well now you just have to stop a well-rounded offensive attack which i just think is probably easier than stopping a well-rounded offensive attack with john moran on it so no, that's it's fun. It's fun to, uh, I don't know, jab at how good the Grizzlies are without him. But no, it's not. It's not. It's not happening without him this season. I don't know if it's happening with him. Um, but yeah, let's hope he's he's just back in the hole by the time the playoffs start. Because him, he and Steph, like, I just don't like. I just don't like these this territory we're in where it's uh oh yeah we're optimistic and oh we're gonna reevaluate him right as game one of the playoffs starts. I, I dislike it a little bit. I definitely dislike a little bit. And uh yeah, as far as so as far as those top teams, that is pretty much it. Dallas, once again, uh see if they can get to third. Just a whole lot of things happening with these standings. Uh as far as some potential playoff matchups, because now after this, I'm just gonna get to my regular topics as we close out the standings. Um, yeah, I you know, Minnesota and Memphis obviously be a lot of fun. That is they have to play their way into that, but that could be a lot of fun. 
Uh, you could get something like Dallas and Denver, which I had wanted anyways, if they're not going to play the Jazz. So that is an opportunity if, they are, if they're going to leapfrog Golden State. Then you get, that would give you Golden State and Utah, which I, I think Golden State kind of, be honest with you, I think they want that matchup. If you get Steph, uh, you get Steph back, I'm pretty sure they would they would like that first round matchup. So that's a thing. Uh, Suns going to eat whoever. Oh, Paul George, by the way. Paul George, I, it's starting to look like he's going to come back. It's starting to look like Paul George is going to come back. He's doing workouts. Um, we talked. We had Vini on the podcast a couple of weeks ago who basically said the same thing. But now he's, he's returning to regular basketball activity. Seems like he's ramping up. I'd be surprised if he wasn't back. So that would at least be fun. They're not beating the Suns with him, but it would at least be fun to have Paul George back in, in a scenario where they could play their way into eighth or seventh. Paul George... Um, yeah, makes the Clippers fun. Big news. Big news there. Eastern Conference, of course, we are doing over the fact Brooklyn will be playing one of the top two seeds, but one of the top two seeds could mean anything right now. Chicago is trying to snug their way into that fifth spot. You fall to sixth. That could happen. Toronto is, is on one. Toronto is, is definitely on one. Scotty Barnes might be taking the rookie of the year actually i think that's kind of where we're gonna go next because yeah these standings are just all over the place still uh seven two right now cleveland miami i'm actually not really interested in that series i, I mean i am but it's as far as like all the other stuff that could happen it's not chaotic enough for me anyways uh, as cleveland and toronto are on the docket right now so mobley versus barnes is basically the is basically the rookie of the year race at the moment all right, Franz Wagner has been good. Kate Cunningham came back after his injury, and he's he's ramped up. I'm super excited for year two, Kate. But being that his two counterparts are playing good basketball, they have been playing good basketball all season, and they're in the playoffs. It's probably not happening for Cade. It's it's basically between those two. Um, it's been Evan Obley for me most of the season. That's pretty much been what you default to. Cleveland was top four for a lot of this time uh, when you had Evan Mobley on the floor with Jared Allen defensively you're just going what do you even do with this squad it's a it's a tough overall situation oh okay this meeting starts at 11 o'clock instead of 11 30 cool that's just amazing stuff fuck me right anyways um man yeah so Toronto now six they've leapfrogged Cleveland that's the scenario we talked about last week it kind of comes down to once again what the what you value as a voter, and just as far as what you see on the court. I mean, Scotty, both of them are super raw talents as rookies, obviously, and Scotty right now is is a lot of fun to watch. Big forward, uh, it can play multiple positions. Um, it's going to be able to do a little bit of everything as his, as his career progresses. Right now, the shot is not necessarily a thing, so it seems like it would be easy enough to go oh all right well we're just not gonna we're just gonna sag off and you know switch some that that type of deal but also again scott he's a he's a big body and so right now he literally just eats up space and just backs you down and, and post hooks it just does little flip shots it's a really raw game as far as offensively anyways that's it's a really raw game um and it's gonna get a lot better but for right now it's it's it suffices they need him to play some point guard he can do that i watched him strip darius garland this week so that was a fun experience darius garland obviously a small quick guard and scotty barnes tall lanky guy and darius tries to get around him scotty read that beautifully uh just absolutely ran his pockets uh that was a nice stop um like the effort that he shows i, I do like the effort that he shows on defense for sure he had a 
stop against Indy this week. I mean, it was on Lance Stevenson in 2022, so that's one thing. But uh, it was just the effort that he showed on that play to put Lance in a box. I like what Scotty does. Then there's Evan Wobley, who, uh, same thing, uh, defensively for most of this season, looked just absolutely incredible. Um, obviously, he had the buffer of, of, an, of a Jared Allen. This game is also very raw, but he knows where to be, knows where to be off ball, knows how to play with another big that doesn't even really shoot. So that's a that's a big plus. That's a big plus on how that's worked. The thing that's hurting right now is we're getting really close to voting. And Scotty has had he just took home rookie of the month, playing great basketball. His team has leapfrogged Cleveland in the standings. And defensively, now that Mobley's being asked to guard bigger guys, he's playing bigger guys, playing centers. Um, it's tough because the same thing, the rim protection without Jared Allen don't hit the same. Mobley's defense, I would say, doesn't really hit the same with either. It just doesn't. Um, you have a bigger body, you have a big body like Vooch. You remember this, Evan Mobley still has kind of like a kid body. He's really tall, but as far as like the the weight and whatnot and the weight and the strength, it's, it's not necessarily uh, there. It's not necessarily there right now. So you, you see him... You see guys challenge him a lot. You see guys challenge him a lot, and it's not the same as as the help defense that comes over or just being able to play defense with your instincts. It's not quite the same. And so I am interested to see how far up the Raptors go and how far back the Cavaliers fall, and if that changes it. There's still an entire year to consider, and I do think there was a point where, and Scotty has been impressive the whole year to me, but I still do think there was a point where it was like, oh, yeah, he's he's doing okay. And Evan Mobley, it's, it was like, wow, he's doing amazing. There was a nice part of the season where it seemed like that was happening. And that, that is part of the voting. So I'm really interested to see where it goes. Uh, the Raptors, the farthest they can move up at this point is fifth. And then Cleveland could fall completely out of it. So I don't, I don't know. It, it can't just be all standings. And knowing how the voters or not knowing how the voters vote is a big part of the confusion with this. It's the same thing that's about to happen with the all NBA teams. If you hadn't heard, all NBA squads uh, for the third year consecutively, by the way, the Embiid and Jokic would be able to make it if one of them was a forward. So that's one thing, right? That's that's not really the, the issue with why one of them doesn't make it in a year like last year. It's are voters going to band together and vote together and make one of those guys a forward so that they can both make the first team because they're clearly both first team talent. And if we didn't have any question on how the voting was actually going to happen, okay, cool. Giannis, Embiid, Jokic. That's three of the first team right there. That's three of the five for the first team. Just automatically off rip. That, that just happens. Same thing with how the MVP race is. Um, The issue is we don't know if that's going to happen. And you're trying to look to last year for guidance because a lot of people are saying, oh, the voting was the same last year so why does this change anything why is this even news well to me it was news because Embiid remember he missed 21 games last season he he was pretty much leading the MVP race and then he got hurt and so the fact that he missed so many games and uh it's sorry I just got notifications going crazy there's a meeting soon I I hate that I thought it was at 11 30 whatever anyways yeah so this year that didn't happen there there weren't injuries this year there weren't a lot of injuries this year there wasn't a big chunk of time missed by really either candidate so they've both been playing elite basketball and they've been neck and neck for mvp so it just kind of feels like they should both be first team however if there's not coordination uh one of them is 
probably going to get center votes and one of them can get forward votes. And if there's not enough coordination, then boom, there, one of them is going to be on the second team. It's going to end up happening and I cannot wait for the chaos of all NBA squads, all three of the teams, by the way. Because if you just go through and rip off names for all NBA, let's just like see how many names you can get. So yeah, Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, obviously those three are all NBA. And I'm not doing the teams, by the way. I'm just naming the players. So you got John Morant, of course. LeBron James, still all NBA. It's been a bad, se bad season for the team, but he's all NBA. KD, Steph, he's there. Luka's there. Trey is there. I'm already up to nine players. There's how many spots left? Demar Rosen's all NBA. So I just got 10 just without even really looking at the teams here. I just got up to 10 all NBA players. Um, you get to that last five. Uh, Tatum's all NBA. So that's 11. Uh, whew, Jimmy Butler going to get all NBA this year? I, I feel like before I get to Jimmy Butler, I could. Yeah. Well, Chris Paul and Devin Booker, all NBA, both. Yeah. <laughs> so what was that? Uh, did I just get 12 and 13? So you see what I'm saying? It, it becomes because I haven't even gotten to a Donovan Mitchell yet, who's also been all NBA. <laughs> and then there's names like Cat out there. And then is Gobert going to get a nod? And now the questions come because there's some dudes that have been left off. Like Raptors fans are going, hey, is Pascal Siakam all NBA this year? And then again, that was without naming Jimmy, I believe. So it gets it gets real fun. It's going to be chaotic, especially when one guy gets knocked down uh, to the second team. That it's just going to be extremely chaotic. The second team could potentially end up looking like uh, because of the time missed. I think KD will end up second team. Same thing with LeBron James. He'll end up second. And so if one of the two fall from the first team, now you've got Jokic or Embiid down there on the second team with them. So three of the five second team could be KD, Braun and Jokic or Embiid. That's just fun. That that's gonna cause so much anger, and I'm all here for it. Because on a typical day, I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna underrate the value of all NBA. Those things don't matter. I'm not gonna. It's more of like the races I really don't care about. It's more like the rookie of the year. It's, it's nice, but also I just think back to okay, every single year. Can I tell you who the rookie of the year was? And you get to a time where Joel, sorry, yeah, Joel Embiid couldn't play much, so then Malcolm Brogdon got it. And sure, he's a good player, but like okay anyways so if that happens <laughs> the all nba team thing is going to happen um we'll see how they vote on it and then twitter's going to lose their collective minds almost no matter what happens that is going to be a lot of fun speaking of trey young who was listed as an all nba member just now yeah in new york he absolutely went off it's kind of moot at the end of the season. Both those teams are at the bottom of the standings. Atlanta's is not going to fall out either way. So the only question is whether they're going to have uh, 10th or 8th as far as a play-in play -in seed. But uh, yeah, he the, the whole Trey Young in New York thing is fun. I guess the reason I had it written down was because it was the first time that he's gotten to play them since the playoffs. And it's just, it was poetic, man. It's poetic. The game was close. I heard Trey Young sucks, like audibly by someone in the crowd. Or yeah, they get Trey, you suck. <laughs> and 15 seconds later, Trey's hitting the three that ties the game. And a couple of minutes later, he puts Taj Gibson on the floor and hits one from the free throw line as the Hawks start to pull away. So you start to think about this whole Trey versus New York thing, and he loves it. He he feeds off of this. I'm so sad that he's uh that 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 the Hawks kind of fell the way they did this year. Because that, that presence is needed in the playoffs. That villain potential is needed in the playoffs. 
they are looking like they're going to miss John Collins. He's out pretty much indefinitely. So at this point, don't I'm not looking at any magic run for the Hawks. They never really got their defense together this year. It's an unfortunate thing. Uh, but yeah, Trey versus New York is not really a rivalry, man. It's <laughs> it's like there's Trey Young and then there's a the Knicks and, and Trey just I don't want to see he owns the Knicks. But um, yeah, four one in the playoffs. Come back this season. He drops. How many points was that? 40 something, almost 50 uh, in the garden. It's again, he's he's just done a lot of damage to that. He's just done a lot of damage to that franchise. It's it's a lot. Trey, uh, if you're uh, which all NBA team would you have him on? Not sure, but he's definitely going to make one still like regardless. He's had an all NBA season as a passer, as a you know, playmaker, as a scorer. His his work has been there. His work is spoken for. I don't think you really have to uh, debate that. And this just in, bro. Today might be the shortest podcast of the season because I just lost my entire appetite. My mood for the week is ruined. This is how Mondays begin, bro. I haven't had a good week in 2022. Just in from Shams. Boston Celtics center Robert Williams is feared to have suffered a meniscus tear in his left knee. It could lead to an indefinite absence, which would be a tough loss for the Celtics. Okay. <clears throat> First of all, if, if, if anything sounds different, it's because I was just... um. I was on the call for Team Tommy. I am working with Tommy Hilfiger on a collaboration with Twitch. So y'all will hear about that soon. Be back to regular streaming. And my face went blank in the meeting. It was like a hundred people in that meeting. I looked at my own face when I read this news. I don't think I stressed at the beginning of this podcast how serious I was when I said I actually imagined this in my head. And I imagined it being either Robert Williams or Jason Tatum. Watching the Wolves yesterday, I would I saw how perfect things were going. And I literally in my head was going, bro, like, because I, I was just thinking nothing really has gone right since 2008 as a Celtics fan. Nothing has gone all the way right. There's always been something that happened. I remember Paul Pierce had a knee infection one time. He disappeared for two weeks. He had to have surgery. KG's knee, Ray Allen's ankle went bad. Jeff Green, heart surgery. Fucking Kyrie Irving's knee. Something went loose in his knee from his surgery. And then he, in the middle of a contending season, he disappeared. Gordon Hayward's ankle snapped one day. Nothing has gone right just for a full season since 2008. So watching the Wolves game yesterday, and I promise you, I saw Robert Williams switched on to somebody on the perimeter. I'm like, man, this is just too perfect. What if something happened to him? He's so important to our defense, the way he he floats around and comes from the weak side and how we're able to kind of pretty much keep him out of actions of, of being always in the pick and roll. Like He's so important to our defense right now. What if something happened to him? Or what if something happened to Tatum? Because Tatum fell, and then I was just like, oh, damn, is he grabbing his ankle? I don't think you understand how this how much of a self-fulfilling prophecy this is i am about to lose it the boston celtics are not winning anything without robert williams it's not happening it's not happening it's not happening y'all i'm out i'm out i'm out of here bro i'm out of here i'm gone for the day enjoy the podcast i hope you enjoyed the podcast i had nothing else to talk about anyways like button rate the podcast on spotify apple Podcasts. i'll see y'all next week maybe